Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 41 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by TadEase.com, the best Delta 8 edible on the market. We are back here for episode 41 of Pigskins and Nylon. Wally is out this week, so Casey and I are holding down the fort with our, our, our review show here. So, Casey, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic, Hayden. What a great start to the show we had. Your little voice cracked there. I hope that makes the makes the show. But, uh, dude, I had, a, I had a fantastic day of football yesterday, watching football. Some of the bigger games didn't really live up to the hype, but it was still fun to watch. And, man, it's rivalry week, man. I can't, I can't wait for that. You know, Purdue looked really good. I'm sure we'll get into that yesterday on the on the basketball court. But other than that, man, just enjoying this this break. What about you? I I can't believe that we are already to week twelve or game twelve of the college football season. That's it's unbelievable how fast how fast it went by. Yeah, rivalry week. This is the best. This is literally the best week of college football. I, I'm looking forward. We have a huge one. I, I think this Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be incredible. I really do. I think it's going to be a good game. But we, we'll talk about that at the next show. Let's go ahead. Do you want to start? Let's start with college basketball first. Get that out of the way and then go into football. Uh, one of the biggest games, uh, Purdue beat North Carolina 93-84. to Jaden Ivey led them with 22 points. So big win for Purdue. Michigan State bounced back against Eastern Michigan. They won pretty handily. Since it's rivalry week, rivalry week, I have to say this: the team up north beats UNLV seventy-four to sixty-one. Maryland beat Hofstra sixty-nine to sixty-seven. Close ball game there. Minnesota stays unbeaten by beating Purdue Fort Wayne big. Nebraska beats Idaho State seventy-eight to sixty. Iowa rolls against Alabama State. Rutgers falls to DePaul. Penn State beats St. Francis, and Ohio State lost a road game to Xavier, 71-65. Casey, which of those games, if any of them, would you like to talk about? Yeah, there are definitely a few that I would like to touch on here. And uh, I know you stopped on Thursday, I would assume, with the Ohio State game. But on Wednesday night, Maryland got upset by George Mason at home. That was another big-time, I guess, hit for the Big Ten. Man, the outside of Purdue... The Big Ten just did not look very good this week. You know, you had some of your top teams losing. Michigan lost to Seton Hall. Like I said, Maryland lost to um, George Mason at home. Ohio State losing to Xavier. Rutgers losing to DePaul. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I don't know what the final count was for the Gavit tip-off games, but there is no way that the Big Ten won. The Ohio State game was the clincher. Was it? And then, So then DePaul beating Rutgers had nothing to do with it no well so yeah so big 10 loses that challenge you know obviously want to touch on the michigan unlb game that was a that was a closer game than i expected and i know they ended up winning by 13 and covering i actually got up for that game 12 30 in the morning yesterday and i i was thinking i was gonna watch it and i sat down in my chair and i was like nope i'm gonna fall asleep so i've recorded it and watched it the yesterday morning i guess it was and that was awesome to do that because I watched the whole thing in like 40 minutes but a lot of the same concerns for Michigan defensively just look out of whack offensively you know sometimes they get in a little bit of a rut 
Musa Diabate had a really, really good game for Michigan. A couple big-time throwdowns for him. But, I, you know, outside of that, I didn't get to catch the Ohio State game. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. It looked like they just got off to a slow start and weren't able to catch up. But then, like I mentioned, Purdue had a really big-time win on the road yesterday against North Carolina, who Michigan will see actually here in, I think, a week and a half or something like that. So, Purdue looks like the front-runner to me so far. But, yeah, well, I'd like to hear your thoughts on first the Ohio State game and then uh, any other games that you have. Yeah, no, one one thing about the Purdue game is Sasha Stefanovic. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, I, a lot of people might not. Went off against North Carolina with for 23 points, which is pretty good. I think he was 5 of 11 from the three-point line. So just, you know, something that's kind of interesting about Purdue. You know, we know about the size that they have, but it also – Seems like they have uh, some guys on the outside that can make some plays. The Ohio State game was frustrating for me to watch because it seems like it's the same story that they have almost every year where unless they have that really dynamic guy that can get their own shot, they, they struggle to score. And that was the case on Thursday when they played Xavier, they they couldn't do much. EJ EJ Liddell had a pretty good game, but you can only he's the undersized big man. He can only do so much down there, and they really really struggled uh, against the size of Xavier. They Xavier really focused on uh, getting the ball to their big man, which I forget what his name was. Nunji, I think his name was Nunji, had a pretty decent game. His numbers weren't crazy, but it was like the timely plays that he made. You know, offensive rebounds and a putback or and one off an offensive rebound. Just things like that that really, really helped them a lot in that game. One of the things that was actually nice to see from Ohio State's standpoint is they, you know, they were losing pretty much the whole game, but they fought the entire time. I mean, they battled and they scratched and clawed all the way back. And there was even a, a point in that game with like eight minutes left. I was like, they actually might have a chance that they could come back and, and win and win this game. You know, obviously that didn't happen, so it sucks to take that loss early in the season. But with college basketball, you know, hopefully that makes them better, more prepared, prepared for road environments in the future. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. It, it, you're right. It does it does seem like it's the same problem for Ohio State. You know, Michi Johnson took 12 shots. I thought that that was very interesting. He wasn't really known as somebody that was, I guess, a scorer last year. They shot well from the free throw line. That's something that you can take away. They did shoot 84%. They shot 38% from three, too. And when your opponent shoots 20, you typically would think you would win that game. But like I said, I didn't get to watch it. I wasn't able to really catch the flow of the game or anything. So, you know, that's really all I have from that game. But looking ahead to this week, starting today, Sunday, we have some big-time matchups. And the Big Ten, Purdue is in the Hall of the Cheez It Hall of Fame tip off championship. Cheez It's Yeah. Um, against the fifth ranked team in the country in Villanova today. That that's at one one PM, so that'll be another tough battle for them. Purdue's a two point favorite in that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I see that. And then uh later tonight, Michigan ho or doesn't host is in the Roman main event championship game against four and Arizona. Michigan's a three and a half point favorite in that game. So, two very big uh, matchups for the Big Ten this week, or today. 
Tomorrow, Ohio State travels to Fort Myers in the Fort Myers tip-off to battle Seton Hall. Illinois is playing against Cincinnati on Monday. Cincinnati is a 4-0 team as well. Wisconsin is playing Texas A&M, who is 4-0 on Monday. Nothing Thursday, nothing Friday. Penn State travels to Florida to play LSU in the Emerald Coast Classic on Friday. No big game Saturday. We all know why. No games on Sunday. So, yep, there's a look ahead for the uh, the Big Ten basketball schedule this week. Uh, some really big staff games uh, starting today, Sunday, and Monday and Tuesday. So, something to look forward to as we get looking ahead for rivalry week. Rivalry week. <laughs> That's tough to say when you're talking fast. Rivalry, <laughs> rivalry week and uh, football this week. Where we, you know, we know where all of our attention is going to be on Wednesday show. We, I mean, gosh, that may as well just be the Michigan Ohio State preview show for us. Yeah, I, I, I do have a question for you. You know how in football, like sports betting, the home team gets like a three point bump. Is it the same in basketball, or is it more? In I feel like it should be more. I don't know. Actually, I have no idea. But what I wanted to touch on, and I'm glad that you brought that up, was. At the Michigan game, it, I mean, it was probably 70% Michigan fans in Vegas against UNLV. It was kind of weird. But the Michigan spread was minus 12 and a half. And Michigan got fouled. Musa Diabate got fouled with like one second left in the double bonus. And the crowd is just cheering, cheering him on because uh, obviously in Vegas, I'm sure there are a lot of gamblers that took Michigan minus 12 and a half. Drains the first one. The crowd's going crazy. Drains the second one. It was the loudest that the crowd was the entire game. And I thought that that was absolutely hilarious and very fitting for that that event, I guess. I absolutely love Vegas. And I, I can't wait to go for your bachelor party whenever we get that scheduled. Madison and I were just talking about that earlier. She, she is tracking the flights for it. She has an app. So whenever the prices dip, it tells her when it's going to dip. They're going to dip and she's going to book all of our stuff so we'll get that taken care of and scored away absolutely can't wait for that either man that's gonna be a fun trip so let's take a turn and go to our football reviews from this past week we had uh, there was a lot of stuff going on in big 10 football this week you know obviously the ohio state michigan state game got a lot of attention but there were some other sneaky good games on the slate starting with it was supposed to be the biggest game of the week. Number seven, Michigan State traveling to Columbus to face Ohio State. I don't know even what to say about this, so I'm going to flip it over to you first, and I want to get your thoughts, and then and then I'll come back to myself. Yeah, wow is right. I mean, we were just talking off air about how, you know, I think Ohio State is clicking on all cylinders right now offensively, and <laughs> I mean, my goodness, there's not really much more you could say about this offensive performance and and even the defense just really, you know, I think Michigan State kind of played into that a little bit. I think that they were trying to, they, they got out of their offensive identity really early. You know, that just kind of played into Ohio State's favor. But man, C.J. Stroud looked good. I think all three completions were not even his fault. The one I thought on the sideline, Garrett Wilson could have caught. The other one he had, Wilson and Olave mix up, and neither one of them went for the football. And then, actually, I can't remember the third one. It was probably a drop. He, play, he played that perfect. It, it was probably a drop. 
you know, you'd like to see them be a little bit more successful running the ball, but they ran for over 200 yards. Travion Henderson averaged seven yards a carry. You know, it was great to see Master T get a get a boatload of carries because that dude's been through a lot, and unfortunately, he's been buried on the depth chart. <laughs> and then, I mean, my goodness, those three receivers are absolutely outstanding. They are so smooth with everything they do. It's just, it's truly incredible. You know, defensively, they got a couple sacks, a lot of TFLs, nine TFLs. Kenneth Walker only got six carries. I don't really understand what the what the game plan was for Michigan State, but I guess when you're down 49 nothing, you know you're not going to come back, and you probably just, yeah, I mean, they did. They didn't even give him any carries, but what a performance. I hope they didn't leave it all out there in that first half. You know, I hope they saved some of it for Michigan because I think it would be an outstanding chess match between the two this, this coming week if Ohio State is able to click offensively like they did against Michigan State. Man, that's all I have. That's really all you can say. Ohio State played outstanding. It was really fun to watch them execute in the first half the way they did. And, you know, Michigan State might be uh, reconsidering that $95 million extension they were supposedly going to offer Mel Tucker after that beatdown in Columbus yesterday. This game, this was unbelievable. I said on the previous show, I thought Ohio State was going to blow out Michigan State. When I said that, I did not know it would even look like this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. This was this was the best half of football that I think I've ever seen, and that includes the Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin when they were fighting for the, the last playoff spot. This this was something else, and I and I actually felt sorry for Michigan State at some points because it was like there was nothing that they could do. You know, the offense was spectacular. I really thought the defense played very well basically the whole day. And even, you know, they gave up that last score. They had some some younger guys in, which is something I, w- I really want to talk about. You know, Court Williams led the team in tackles yesterday. And, you know, he's, you know, second string backup on, on the depth chart. So it's just nice to see they had some young guys in there making plays. Craig Young was out there. Court Williams was out there. Just guys like that who... I think have a lot of talent or just, just waiting for their turn. I think one of the more underrated aspects of this game, getting basically that second half of resting, I think it is huge for next week, actually. Like I think that's a that's a that's a real thing. Especially coming off the schedule that Ohio State has played, you know. This will be their third straight ranked game. And and you know, getting the half off before I think is big. So I, I really don't have much to say. You know, you pretty much said it all. Ohio State looks like they're in Death Star mode. Yeah, I mean, if you want to nitpick, Noah Ruggles missed his first field goal of the season. His Heisman campaign is over. Over, is gone. Oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. No, but I mean, I don't have anything else to say. Unless we want to talk a little schematically, some things that I thought Michigan State didn't do well. I You can't let these receivers run clean and still get beat deep. Like, it, it just... I understand if you want to play off and keep everything in front of you, but my goodness, their technique was was terrible. And literally, um, I don't. I'm sure you saw that little clip of Garrett Wilson when he scored that touchdown run. He instinctively just like swiped his hand down because he thought the the corner was going to put you know have some 
like jam him or, or something about 10 yards down the field. And the dude was like three yards away from him still. And it just ran up the seam. So that was something that was very noticeable, especially on that Garrett Wilson touchdown in the, in the red zone, that little RPO that they ran. He was wide open, not even touched. So schematically, I think Michigan State was, and Ohio State does this to a lot of teams, but schematically they were just outmanned. And then one thing that irritates the heck out of me, Ohio State is outstanding in kickoff coverage and being able to place the ball where they want to. If you can fair catch that freaking ball and get the ball at the 25-yard line, you do it. When you are at a talent disadvantage, and Michigan, this is the advice I would give you next week. Fair catch that ball, get it at the 25, because it's a sure, it's a huge difference getting the ball at the 15-yard line versus the 25. It's just huge difference. And so that's another thing that I saw Michigan State did the first couple times, and I get it. You got Jaden Reed back there, who's very explosive, but Ohio State is known for being able to put the ball right at the two-yard line, cut the field in half, and and tackle people within the 13 to 18-yard line, which, like I just said, is an absolutely huge advantage for the defense. So those are a couple things that stood out to me, but I'm ready to move on if you are. Yeah, you gave a piece of advice to Michigan. I'll, I'll do the same. Jim Harbaugh, break your kicker's leg. If you waste time kicking a field goal this week, you're you're going to lose. There's no point when you're playing an offense as good as Ohio State's to kick any field goals. If you're inside the 30-yard line, it's four-down territory. Absolutely. And I, I remember that Michigan-Ohio State game of 2019 with, with Fields and Chase Young. And if you were like, – that game was tight the, the whole first half. Ohio State pulled away in the second half a little bit, but then Michigan creeped back in there to make it 42-27 before Hassan Haskins missed a wide-open hole on a fourth down and one, and Ohio State stopped him, and then the game was over after that. But Michigan settled for two field goals in that first – I think it was the first half and then later in the third quarter. And if that game is 42-35 instead of 42-27, it's a whole different feel. So I completely agree with you. You can't settle for field goals. I've been saying it all, you know, the past five weeks for both Michigan and Ohio State, really. And they both cleaned it up yesterday. They both cleaned it up the week before. So, I mean, we're, we'll talk about Michigan here, but it really looks like both teams are hitting their strides right now at the right time, which makes it for a fantastic matchup this week. Speaking of Michigan, they outscored Ohio State this week, if you can believe it. Or Ohio State had 49 points at halftime, and Michigan outscored them. Which is pretty unbelievable. They they went to Maryland, won fair. I mean, really easily, fifty nine to eighteen, covering that ball game. Like you said, they they look like they are clicking at the right time. They're peaking at the right time. Those defensive ends, we've been talk, talking about them all year. They are legit, and they're going to be a big factor next week. Casey, what what did you think about this this Maryland game? Yeah, just a a really clean game in all phases of the game, really. Early on, I thought they might have been in some trouble. They were getting all the looks that they wanted to offensively, but they just weren't executing. You know, Hassan Hassan's got tripped up a couple times for like a one- or two-yard game where usually he would bust that thing for about an eight- to ten-yard gain. And then Cornelius Johnson with two drops. One of them was on third down. That uh, I think one other slant hit him like literally right in the head. So there are a couple things that they could have cleaned up. They didn't run the ball like they usually do. Hassan Haskins averaged almost four yards a carry. But like I said, there were a couple times where he was picking that leg up just 
two inches higher away from busting a, a bigger gain. So not too much there. One thing that really stood out to me, though, and I said it in our group text, is Cade McNamara had three or four balls batted down. Ohio State against Michigan State, they batted down Peyton Thorne's passes, like I think probably three or four times, too. McNamara is a shorter quarterback with a release at sometimes at a sidearm. And Ohio State is huge on the outsides. Zach Harrison is really good at pass deflections, and Tyreek Smith's pretty good himself as well. So that is something that is could dramatically impact the game next week. I know they said it on the broadcast after McNamara got one third down ball batted down. I guess him and Harbaugh were talking about, you know, his release needs to be up here and not sidearm or whatever. So I'm sure that's going to be a point of emphasis when you're a smaller quarterback. But I've noticed that throughout the year, and, and it was really evident yesterday. But overall, he had a good game. McCarthy came in and, and showed some flashes of what I think is going to be, you know, next year's offense with him running the, the quarterback position, scored a touchdown. Donovan Edwards had a coming-out party and, you know, did nothing on the ground, but 10 receptions for 170 yards and a touchdown. He set a Michigan single-game record for receiving yards by a a running back. Just overall, really, really clean game. They scored on special teams. They scored on, on defense. They blocked a punt. Very, very clean game. Felt like I was talking for a long time right there. No, that's good. I feel the exact same way. One thing, maybe, and, I, and I'm, I'll ask you this, are you, first of all, it's really important, I think, that Blake Corman's back next week, and I he know he suited up this week and he didn't play. I hope, just for the sake of the game, that he is. But Michigan didn't run the ball super, super great in this one. You know, Haskins had 20 carries for less than 80 yards, which is less than four yards a pop, which – I'm not, like, you know, flashing the warning bell or anything, but it's just kind of weird to see because Michigan has done that all year long. Really, I, I have no other concerns about this team. They look they look good. I've said it for the past three weeks. I really think that game next week is going to I, – I think there's a chance Michigan wins, which is crazy for me to say, but here we are, week 12. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll ease your, your concerns here. You know, Michigan did a really good job of of pass defense. The majority of the game, they kept everything in front of them. Talia was dinking and diamond, and that's how he got most of his yards. He only ended up with 178, which is really good. He was the leading passer in the Big Ten in terms of yards coming into the game. But two things of concern for the Michigan defense for me. One, they didn't get home at all. They had two sacks, but Hutchinson and Ojabo didn't get a sack themselves. Now, like I said, Talia was getting the ball out of his hands quickly, so there wasn't really the opportunity to generate that that much pressure. And and that was an outstanding game plan by by Maryland. They did a good job of really not letting those edge rushers get home. And then Michigan's run defense was bad. Was really, really bad. Maryland had two guys run for over oh two guys, one one guy ran for seventy one yards on eleven carries, the other guy ran for sixty eight on eighteen carries. I know that's not fantastic, but you know the seven one guy averaged seven yards to carry. The other guy averaged about four and a half. That's quick math there. And then they weren't able to contain Talia. He, he scampered for a touchdown. He scampered for a couple first downs. I think Michigan was so focused on preventing the big play in the passing game that it let Maryland be so successful in the run. And, you know, if that's Ohio State next week, 
Michigan does the same schemes on defense, Travion Henderson is going to run for 200 yards. It's it's not going to be pretty for Michigan's defense because he is, you know, Ohio State's offensive line is way better than Maryland's. Travion Henderson is better than any of the running backs that Maryland has on the roster. And so that that is something that I would keep an eye on. And that's why Ohio State is so electric this year is because if you take away their their deep passing game, they can hand it to a guy like Travion Henderson and he'll, he'll run wild. So that, that should ease your concerns a little bit. Ohio State's offense is too good in all phases of the game to uh, for this Michigan defense to slow them down, I guess. Going from one Big Ten team with a pretty good defense to perhaps the best defense in the conference, Wisconsin had Nebraska at home. Wally was on upset alert on this game all week. He he put some money on it. He bet on it. Unfortunately for him, it came down to the one possession that Nebraska always loses by, and it was the same old story for them. 35-28 to 28 Wisconsin. A little higher scoring than, than what I thought it would be. I thought maybe this would be a little lower scoring just, just watching both defenses throughout the year. But Wisconsin really, really has that rushing attack going. Braylon Allen, who is uh, a freshman, I believe, has really, really got a movie. He had 22 carries, 228 yards with three touchdowns along with. And this is this is what I think makes running back special is that breakaway 71-yard touchdown. He had a 71-yard touchdown on this one. Amazing game from him. Now, Graham Mertz, while he was... Efficient, maybe I guess is the word. 12 of 18, 145 yards, nothing special throughout the air. This Wisconsin rushing tag has it going, and it looks like they're on a clear path here to the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. But um, this Wisconsin defense giving up 351 passing yards was not something that I expected at all, especially to Adrian Martinez, who typically is not your – you know, a guy that's going to light you up like that. But, I mean, Wisconsin capitalized on the, the two turnovers that Nebraska had, and really that was the difference in the game. At the end of the game, that's that's when I started watching. You know, I was confused coming out of a timeout. I believe Nebraska had 12 players on the field, and then they ran off Samari Torre, one of their best receivers, and he wasn't on the field for that uh, fourth down play. So a lapse in play calling there and personnel by Scott Frost. And dude, you're right. I mean, <laughs> another one possession loss for Nebraska. They're one in seven in the conference now. Best three and eight team of all time. That's very well possible. I would love to know if there's ever been a team finish three and nine and lose every single game by less than 10 points. That would be something that I, I would actually be interested in looking up, but you know, poor Nebraska, Wisconsin's got their run game rolling, but if they're going to win the Big Ten, they really have to get Graham Mertz going a little bit more. They don't have any wide receivers that you think are a threat for future games, I would say. Jake Ferguson was their leading receiver with eight catches for 92 yards. But, hey, at this point in the season, you're just you're just trying to win games and move on to the next week, so you can't really complain too much. Let's talk about the last meaningful play of the game. Now, as you can imagine, we, we have our group chat going. Wally 
with betting Nebraska outright has feelings about this. Casey had feelings about this in the opposite way. For those of you who didn't watch, Nebraska's facing a fourth and I think it was 20 from like the 21 yard line. And they basically are throwing it to the end zone to try and tie the game. And as the ball's in the air, to this to me it looks like the Wisconsin player arrives early. Now, I'm not saying it should have been a flag. I think if this was in the first quarter, they're gonna call it. If this is, if this is the last play of the game, like it was, they're never they're never ever ever gonna call that. So Wally definitely was like, "That's pass interference. Nebraska got robbed." Casey, what do you think? Yeah, like I said in the in the group chat, I I didn't see anything egregious there. It looked like the ball wasn't even close to him, too, and it didn't even make the end zone, so I'm not really sure the play call there again for Nebraska. They were going for that the, the first down at the one-yard line. Yeah, yeah, interesting there. No, I I know why Wally would want to think that, you know, he had a, a big-time rooting interest in, in that game. I, I didn't see anything there that was crazy, and you're right. That probably is called in the first quarter. But if you're being honest with yourself here, Wally, you, you don't want that called. You wouldn't want that against your team. So, I, you know, I'm glad they didn't call it, obviously, because I had, you know, Wisconsin winning. So this Big Ten West race is down to basically two teams. Wisconsin, who we just talked about, is in the driver's seat. They win, they're in. Iowa needs a Wisconsin loss next week, and they also need to win. They played Illinois at home this week, won 33-23. I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch this. All I know is that I had Illinois plus 11 or 11.5, either one. They both are winners. And Illinois scores a late touchdown to cover after they threw a pick six while they were covering before that. So I'm pretty jacked up about that. Thank you, Illinois, for the cover in this one. I didn't really watch this game until the end. I saw Illinois' second-to-last possession. I texted in the group chat after that pick six. I was I was hyped up. I turned the game off. I thought it was over. And then I, I forget. I went to go check some score on the ESPN app, and I saw that Illinois punched one in. Oh, man. I was, I was livid. But, you know, Iowa, this was a typical Iowa game this year, I guess. They had 255 total yards of offense. And they put up 33 points. You know, they forced two turnovers. I would be, you know, as big of an Iowa Hawkeye fan as I am, I would be upset if Iowa makes it to the Big Ten Championship over Wisconsin at this point. I think Wisconsin has a lot more momentum and poses a a better challenge to whoever comes out of the East. So, you know, there's not really too much you can take away from this game, I guess. Hopefully, Iowa can get a dub against Nebraska so that the Big Ten starts to look a little bit better again. You know, having a 10-2 and two team in Iowa would make the conference look really good. But, you know, outside of that, Illinois, Brandon Peters threw two picks, was not very efficient. Padilla for Iowa did not look very good. Goodson for Iowa looked really darn good. I said a few weeks back that they should just give him that ball all the time, and I think they kind of found that out. He carried the ball 27 times, but... That's really all I have on, on that game. See, I kind of have the opposite thought. If you are Michigan or Ohio State, you are praying to God that you play Iowa. You want the easiest path to the title, right? And, and that's Iowa. You don't want to play Wisconsin. 
You know, I, I see what you're saying there because it doesn't matter who the opponent is. If it's Iowa, if it's Wisconsin, assuming they both win next week, if you win, you're in. It, it doesn't matter. So I understand what you're saying. You'd rather play Iowa because it'd be the easier opponent, you would think. So I, I guess I get what you're saying, but in terms of the overall product of the Big Ten Championship, I guess I'd rather have Wisconsin than Iowa at this point. Something amazing about this game is Iowa's quarterback, Padilla, had a QBR of 14.1. Zero touchdowns, a pick. He was under 50% completion, which you would think any other day they would lose. No, they were playing Illinois, so they won. That is mind-blowing. Brandon Peters for Illinois, a 35.6 QBR. If you were looking at a game for bad, I'm going to say it, bad quarterback play, this this is where you're at. Thank God Iowa has Goodson or else they would be in a world of trouble. I would completely agree with that. And, you know, one thing that we don't, I guess, really think about at this point is, you know, if Iowa does finish 10-2, the, the loser of Michigan and Ohio State has has to kind of worry about them I guess kind of, you don't think, sneaking in there, getting the New Year's Six Bowl game? Uh, in my in my mind, there is absolutely zero, zero way that the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game could get jumped by Iowa to go to the Rose Bowl or whatever, you know, whatever big-time bowl you're going to. There's no way, I don't think. You know, I, I don't think so, but let's say Iowa does finish 10-2 and and the winner of Michigan-Ohio State wins the Big Ten Championship, and so... It, it would be outstanding for the conference if, let's say, Ohio State wins out, Michigan's 10-2, Iowa's 10-2, because in that scenario, Michigan would get the automatic bid to the New Year's Six Bowl game, and then would Iowa get that at-large bid, do you think? That would be abs- – that, that is best-case scenario for the Big Ten Conference in terms of money-wise, because that's three – that would be at least three games of, I think it's like $15, $16 million – uh, for the conference for the New Year's Six Bowl games and the and the college football playoffs. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, that's very possible. And I could see that playing out, Iowa getting that game, and then they would play some group of five team in that bowl, you know. <laughs> and the way Iowa plays, they would definitely lose that. I would I would hammer whoever that whoever that dog in that game would be. Moving on here, we have three final games and most the, these games Kind of boring, honestly. Purdue went to Northwestern, got a big bounce back win after a, after a rough game in Columbus last week, thirty two to fourteen over the Fighting Pat Fitzgeralds. Casey, what are your thoughts on this one? My first thought is that Aiden O'Connell is uh, is good. I mean, this is three straight games now where he has had at least three hundred and ninety yards of passing. And with a completion percentage over 74% and no picks, I'm not sure if he's going to return to Purdue next year because he is a senior. But I know how last year didn't count for eligibility and whatnot. And I'm, you know, I'm sure that Purdue isn't bringing in any, any recruits that would overtake him if he decided to stay or anything. So first thought is that he is good, and I really hope he comes back for Purdue next year. I think that'd be really fun. Secondly, David Bell is good as well <laughs> but they kind of they found a a good number two I guess in Milton Wright and he's been all right throughout the whole 
throughout the whole season. But he had eight catches for 213 yards and three touchdowns yesterday. Northwestern kind of did the same thing Ohio State did with David Bell. They let him get his catches, but didn't let him get very many yak yards. So, you know, Northwestern's offense has just been bad all year. Their quarterbacks didn't play terrible. They both, you know, completion percentage-wise were exactly where you'd want them. Just don't have enough firepower on offense to compete with even the Purdue's of this year. Yeah, this this Purdue team could be a whole new look next year, depending on what O'Connell does. You know, he might be gone. David Bell is gone. There's no chance of him coming back. That that dude's going to be probably a first-round pick. Purdue's rushing attack still is bad. <laughs> 23 carries, 50 yards as a team. Now, that does count, I would assume, a couple sacks here. But even their running backs did not, not produce well on the ground. But, you know, Purdue... They're they're in that mode where they're just they're winning games. They're trying to get to the best bowl game that they can get to, and beating Northwestern thirty two fourteen really really does help them. Another team that is trying to get to a better bowl game, Penn State. This is an interesting team, man. I I don't know what to really think about them. Still, they played at home against Rutgers. I would assume this is their senior day. They won twenty eight to zero. So Rutgers is fighting next week for a chance to be bowl eligible. Penn State is now 7-4, and four, so they are clearly into a bowl game and are fighting next week. I think they play Michigan State, and if, you know, if they win that game and finish 8-4, and four, there's a much better bowl opportunity for them. You know, my first thought about this game, and, you know, Rutgers' offense isn't anything special, but Penn State's defense did exactly what they needed to in this one. Obviously, any time you get a shutout in a conference game is, is great. They force a turnover, which is always good. Bad news for them, though. Sean Clifford, I I don't know what happened to him. I, I assume he is injured. I don't know if he's if it's serious or if he'll be back or if he's just banged up from the game he, he played last week against Michigan. I don't know. But their backup quarterback came in, and I'm going to absolutely butcher this name. Christian Velu? I, I, I don't know. He, uh... Yeah, <laughs> he he actually played pretty well. 15 of 24, 235 yards and three touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over, which is exactly what you need from your backup quarterback. So Penn State's defense still good. Hopefully Sean Clifford can get back for next week and hopefully a bowl game. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to see what happened to Clifford either, but you're right. I mean, that, that dude's been taking a, a lot of hits this season and specifically the past three or four games. But yeah, statistically, this kid came in and did exactly what you'd want. You know, he's very efficient, didn't turn the ball over three touchdowns. His yards per completion were outstanding. Penn State didn't really run the ball that great, which you would kind of expect they would against the Rutgers team. But this game was very, very boring from what I have heard, I guess. And by the looks of it, it was seven to nothing at halftime. I saw this funny tweet. It was like a, a stick figure poking a stick at um, the Penn State logo, and it said "Do something" on it, or or "Do something." It was it was really funny. But yeah, you know, I like I said, I didn't really watch this game. It doesn't really have that much influence on the conference. But I guess one thing that we, another thing that we have to look forward to this this coming week, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself. It's I just this this week is gonna be really really big for the Big Ten. Rutgers and Maryland both both five and six play each other, so the winner of that game gets another bowl bid for the for the Big Ten, which is you know more, more money 
and ultimately more money is a good thing. Going to be nine bowl-eligible teams yeah. Uh, yeah. after next week. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely outstanding. I can't remember a time when the number was that high. Um, but, you know, and, and this Penn State team, um, I'm, I'm not going to – I don't know what the line is going to be next week for their game against Michigan State, but I would not be surprised if it is Michigan State minus one. Like, I would not – I think these two teams will be very evenly matched and like I've been saying all year long, I think Penn State has the second most talent in the Big Ten. And their defense really has played outstanding yesterday, but they played fine against Michigan for the most part. So, I, you know, I'm not calling upset alert right now, but come Wednesday when we record this show, that'll definitely be a game that I'm going to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And that brings us to our final game. And I was actually worried about this one. I, I, I was checking the score. And after the first quarter, it was 7 nothing Indiana. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? But Minnesota did come out strong after that, and they scored 35 points, ended up winning by three scores. So a, a solid win for them. I know they were playing Indiana, but uh, anytime it's, you know, it's late in the season, you can get a win, you get a win. Minnesota, I, I, they do what they do. I mean, they ran the ball, almost got to 200 yards on the day. Not like a great, great average, but efficient enough to be effective. Tanner Morgan also had two touchdowns through the air, and, and it was really good, 70% completion, so good for him. I still don't know what Indiana is doing with their quarterback situation. I mean, good Lord. McCauley was 3 of 7, 17 yards. He threw two picks, so I would assume maybe did he get pulled? I don't know, but I think you got to let it ride. He did have a nice, a nice day on the ground, 16 carries, 72 yards. You know, he is athletic, so we'll give him credit for that. I don't know. I kind of went, I guess, how I expected outside of the first quarter. There's not too much you can take away from this game. You know, Minnesota really controlled the, the time of possession, which is absolutely key when you're, especially in these late games in late November. You know, like you said, they ran the ball for almost 200 yards, forced Indiana into a couple turnovers. Indiana, man, Indiana's bad. This is... This is really bad. Um, I'm not sure who they played this coming week, but if if they go 0-9 in the conference, man, wow. They play Purdue. It's the rivalry. Okay, so um, they're going to be 0-9 in the conference and 2-10 and overall. But I know I say it every week, but what a disappointing year this has been for Indiana, man. You know, and, and it just, I mean, it showed yesterday. The freaking overhit, of course, Minnesota, every time I bet them, they can't do anything right it seems but it's kind of a, a boring last game to kind of touch on here but that's that's all i really have can minnesota beat wisconsin next week is that possible yeah i do think it's possible they are at home they are at home both teams it, it's going to be a slugfest that's for sure and i don't know what the over under is going to be but i'm taking the under because both teams are going to try to possess the ball 20 and a half yeah, I'm taking the under. It's going to be seven to, it's going to be ten to seven, Wisconsin. <laughs> but no, I, I, they have a shot. This is the one of the more inconsistent teams in the entire Big Ten. So if they if they play up to the, their highs, then yeah, you know maybe they can stun Wisconsin. But if they play like you know they did against Illinois or against Bowling Green, then you know maybe they they probably don't have a shot. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what that line is, too, because, you know, I don't think 
Wisconsin would necessarily blow out Minnesota, but I'm really interested to see these lines coming out later today. Yeah, those usually come out today is Sunday. They usually come out today 12 or 1, something along those lines. So those will be coming out here shortly. Last thing that I want to talk about, the national landscape a little bit. Oregon got absolutely destroyed last night. Uh, Lost huge to the Fighting Utes uh, on the road. I think it was 37-7 to or something like that. Not very close game. Oregon let... Oregon let Utah return a punt with no time left in the first half. I, I, that's unbelievable. So they're out of the picture. We still have the Big 12 kind of fighting between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We'll see how that goes. Casey, what is your college football playoff top 10 going or into next week after the week that we just had? Oh, man. Uh, that That is difficult. I Obviously, Oregon drops out. I think Michigan State drops out. I think Oregon drops out of the top 10. I'm not sure that they're still going to be in the top 10 after an embarrassing loss to to Utah. Obviously, Georgia's got to be at one. They'll probably be at one until, you know, the SEC championship game. I think you leave Bama at two. I know Ohio State's win against a seventh-ranked team in the country looked uh, it looked flawless doing it. But I, I don't think you can jump them at this point. And quite frankly, it really doesn't matter where Michigan or Ohio State are this coming week because if they win, they're in, and they they should be entering the Big Ten Championship as a second-ranked team in the country, no matter who wins the game, in my opinion. So right now, I'm going to go with Georgia at one, Bama two, Ohio State three. Unfortunately, Cincinnati beat a good SMU team. I say unfortunately, man, because I could not I, – I do not want to see this team in there. They're very, very inconsistent. They play down to the level of their opponents. And quite frankly, I don't think their ceiling is as good as a lot of other teams in the top 10. So, unfortunately, they won. I, I don't want to see them in the in the college football playoff. Five, I'm going to have Michigan State – or pff, Michigan. And then now you start to kind of get in, in a position where it's very, very important for this final week of the season and for the conference championship games of where you start – to see these other one-loss teams stack up. You know, right now, I think it's going to be Notre Dame at six. Notre Dame had a, a 55 to nothing win over a really bad Georgia Tech team. And then I think you're going to have Oklahoma State at seven. Oklahoma State shut out Texas Tech, which, you know, for us Big Ten people, we kind of, you know, we don't really follow the Big 12, but Texas Tech is usually an explosive offense, and Oklahoma State has an outstanding defense, one of the best in the country. And so I think I would have them at seven. I think you gotta I think you gotta put Oklahoma back at eight. And the reason why I think that while they didn't Spicy. While they didn't really blow out, you know, Iowa State, who I still think is a quality football team, I think you have to give them credit for that win one, and then you have to Give them a chance to to get back up there because if you look at the teams that are ahead of them, you know, Baylor, I know they just beat them, but I what did Baylor even do this week? Did they win? I would assume. Yeah, they beat Kansas State. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's a good win. That's a good win because I believe Baylor were was underdogs. I believe they were underdogs. They were slight favorites, like slight. barely. Okay, so maybe you still have Baylor at eight, but I don't like that. And ultimately, once again, that doesn't matter because if Oklahoma takes care of business the next two weeks, they're going to leapfrog Baylor. So maybe Baylor at eight, Oklahoma at nine. 
Ole Miss at 10. Although I'd really love to see Wisconsin go to 10, but that's not going to happen. It'll probably be Oregon at 10, I would say. But yeah, I, I think it's vitally important to the Big 12's chances that Oklahoma creeps back into the top 10 because, you know, if they sit at 10, 11, 12, 13 even, their chances of getting in are not going to be very high, in my opinion. So I actually just looked up. You were right. Kansas State was a two-point favorite in that game, and Baylor won. On So, you know, good for them. I, I think I agree with some of yours. I have a little bit of a difference at a couple spots. So obviously Georgia is locked in at one. That's a no-brainer. I really, really debated two and three, and everybody knows who they are. I'm going to keep Bama at two, uh, Ohio State three. And this is where I get a little interesting. I move Michigan up to four. I, I have them jumping Cincinnati. And, you know, the reason that takes care of itself. The loser of that game, Cincinnati, is going to probably slide up a spot. So it doesn't really matter. Cincinnati at five. I have Notre Dame up to six. I have, in this team, I have been actually impressed with. I've watched a couple of their games. And they're not, like, lighting up the scoreboard. But their defense is really good. Oklahoma State. I have Oklahoma State at seven, and I truly and I I, we were, I was talking about this with Wally in the in our group chat. I think if Oklahoma State wins the Big Twelve, I think they're gonna make the playoffs. If they finish twelve and one, I think they're a playoff team. They they should. If they're a twelve and one Big Twelve conference champion, they should leapfrog Cincinnati. Absolutely should. I and I agree with you. That defense is very very stout. I don't even know. See, this is where it gets crazy. I think Georgia's going to beat Bama. So I I think Cincinnati will be three and Oklahoma State will be four, which, I mean, we got time. We got plenty of time to talk about this. Next at eight, I have Baylor. Uh, You know, like we just talked about, I respect what they just did. That game was on the road. It had to have been for them to be underdogs. I have Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin at nine, and I have OU at 10. I don't know. It kind of gets a little messy in there between like, six through 10, but most of this stuff will work itself out. I think, I think either Oklahoma or Oklahoma state, whoever wins the big 12 is going to jump Notre Dame. I, I, my, my cousin, Michael's a huge Notre Dame fan. And he was all excited last night about Oregon losing because he's like, Oh, that really helps us, which it does. But I think the winner of the big 12 is going to not playing a conference championship game is going to hurt Notre Dame bad this year i agree but also the thing is about the oklahoma oklahoma state debate is they're gonna play back-to-back weeks so what happens if they split them they just knock they're both out yeah very very possible and that's yeah part of the poor structure that the big 12 has in my opinion uh you know i know some years it's nice to have the top two teams playing it'll boost your chances of getting in the playoff but i mean it very well could knock themselves out with two teams that are going to be the Big 12 representatives playing them back-to-back weeks, in my opinion. Last thing, because we are running a little long here. I I think it would be fun to start doing this, so I'm just going to suggest it now. These last, we have one regular season week and a conference championship game week. These last two weeks, let's do a prediction of your playoff teams not how they should be ranked right now forecast the games the next two weeks and pick your top four okay first off I want to I want to touch on Notre Dame here a little bit for for Michael 
Notre Dame's schedule is absolutely trash. They should not be a the first, I guess, one the first or the second one loss team in. I know that Wisconsin win is what they're really hanging their hat on this year, but you know, outside of that, they lost their one other ranked matchup this year against Cincinnati by eleven points at home. This schedule is just brutal, very brutal. And they've had some close games with some teams that are not good. Florida State, Toledo, North Carolina is not as good as what we thought. So just want to kind of ruin Michael's day a little bit there and let him know that Notre Dame will not be making the college football playoff unless some chaos happens. But, man, okay, forecasting here after after the championship games. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, so once the championship games are completed – who is our final top four? All right, I got you. So I'm going to go with number one, Alabama. And I think Alabama is going to beat Georgia. I think their offense is, is is so explosive. And I think, I don't want to say Georgia goes into that game knowing that they're in the playoff no matter what, so they don't play as hard. But I just think Alabama knows they're going to have more to play for, and I think they're going to come out on top. So with that being said, I have... Alabama at number one. All the teams are going to have one loss. I'm going to have Ohio State at two. I think Ohio State wins out, wins the Big Ten, and gets in. That puts Georgia at three with one loss. I don't think they're going to want to rematch the Alabama-Georgia game in the first week of the playoff. So I think they're going to just drop them to three. And then at four, man, (laughs) after I just said that um, Notre Dame isn't going to get in, and now they're – now playing this scenario out in, in my head, they, they might be. But for conversation's sake, I'm going to say Oklahoma State gets in at number four at 12-1 and one Big 12 Conference champion. Who do you have, Hayden? Can't wait to hear yours. You ready for this? I This, this is spicy. This is very spicy. Georgia's going to beat Bama. They have the one seed. I've been on it for weeks. Michigan is going to win the conference. Michigan will be the two seed in the playoffs. Cincinnati will win out. They'll get the three. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma will split. So they will both be out. Baylor already has two losses, so they're done. Ole Miss already has two losses, so they're done. It leaves us with one team. Notre Dame, the four spot. In this scenario, they're the only realistic chance at a one-loss team to be in the playoff. I... I would honestly rather... I could, you could I, see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State splitting, right? Oh, like, you could absolutely see absolutely. that happening. Absolutely. I think Oklahoma has the firepower in the run game offensively to beat Oklahoma State one of those times. And like I said in our group text yesterday, I don't think Caleb Williams is that good yet. His passing, his passing game just isn't there. And he's a true freshman, so he's got room to develop. But I could definitely see those two teams splitting. And in that scenario, I think I would rather have a two-loss Alabama at the four seed and rematch Alabama-Georgia. Or drop Bama to three and have Cincinnati-Georgia play. Because I, What about a two-loss Ohio State in that scenario? Ooh. I, I think Ohio I State's it. best win is better than Alabama's best win, right? That Michigan State beating them by 50 is better than... Ole Miss? Maybe. Yeah, like, I don't know. They both both beat the piss out of them, though, too. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think it kind of matters what Texas A&M 
does and, and what Arkansas like. They, we talk about this stuff all the time. The freaking college football playoff rankings and the AP poll are so SEC biased. We have a six and four Mississippi State team ranked at number twenty five right now, which makes Alabama look better because they beat them by forty points. So you know, I I would you could argue that yes, I think, but ah uh, man, that 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 would be a crazy scenario. I it's, think we're about to see some chaos. I think I we think, are. I think we could. I could have taken it a step further and said Wisconsin beats Michigan in the conference title, but exactly. I don't. I don't think they will. I was just gonna say Michigan if they beat Ohio State, they're no they're no lock to beat Wisconsin, even though they beat them by twenty one points at Wisconsin earlier in the year. Wisconsin's playing much better football right now. So yeah, you know, I mean, this could be one of the more chaotic college football playoff endings that we've had, and you know, I'm all for it, but in the end, it usually works itself out. And it, and it probably will this year. It'll probably be a lot more simple than what we think. And, you know, in my scenario, obviously, it's very easy who the top three teams would be. And even if Cincinnati would win out, I think if Oklahoma State and Oklahoma split, then Cincinnati would unfortunately get the four in that situation. But, yeah, could be could be very chaotic. Well, there, there's just one more thing that I want to touch on real quick before we end. The And I said it in our group chat, and I, I – I know I say that a lot on here, but the Heisman Trophy race between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young is going to be absolutely fantastic to keep an eye on this week. Both of those players had outstanding historic performances yesterday. Who had the better game yesterday? That's very difficult to decide because... We talked about it all all week long and really for, for the last few weeks. Michigan State's pass defense is is horrendous. One of the worst uh, in, in terms of yards per game given up. And I know you sent that little stat that that guy came up with yesterday via Twitter. But uh, statistically the worst defense, pass defense in the country when it comes to yards per game. So you got to take that into consideration a little, a little bit. But with how efficient C.J. Stroud was, man, it, it's – Going 32 of 25, or 30, that would be impressive. 32 of 35 against air is impressive, let alone against a defense out there. Could he have thrown for 10 touchdowns? Uh, literally, Ohio State could have scored 80 points if they wanted to. I, I truly believe that. So when you break that down, and I yes, Arkansas's defense is better than Michigan State's. I don't think there's any debating on that, but... God, man, that's I'm stalling right now. If you can't tell, I I have no idea. You know, I'll be a homer here and go with the Big Ten team and say that C.J. Stroud had a better day. But you know, I watched most of that Alabama game, and my goodness, Bryce Young is really good. He broke the S. I believe it. No, it was the Alabama record for pass yards in a game with 559, five touchdowns, no picks, and really used his legs. I know he had negative 11 yards rushing on the game, but he really uses legs in some critical situations there. But what what I wanted to get at basically was the next two weeks are are gonna be awesome to watch those two to see who really takes takes hold of this Heisman trophy race. I think uh Stroud probably leapfrogs Bryce Young after his performance this week narrowly and I think it is gonna be a distance third. I think Kenneth Walker the third is out of the picture now. And there are two other guys I know I'm kind of rambling here. To keep an eye on... Do not, do not, please God, don't say who I think you're going to say. I, the person who is going to grab 
the third spot right now is Kenny Pickett from Pitt. He's had statistically a fantastic year. He had a fantastic game yesterday against Virginia, who's a quality team. And he's going to have another game because Pitt did clinch the ACC Coastal, I believe it is, yesterday too. So he's got two more games to pad, pad on his stats as well. So I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud, Kenny Pickett, and Bryce Young, the, the three Heisman finalists, with another guy to keep an eye on, Will Rogers from Mississippi State, has been lighting up the scoreboard lately. And, you know, uh, I let me pull up his stats here. He's got 3,700 yards, 29 touchdowns, and eight picks. So I don't think he has any shot because um, Mississippi State has four losses. But that's another guy to keep an eye on, I guess. And, Hayden, who, who is the guy that you did not want me to – to say was it Matt Corral yes yeah I, I I'm not on the Matt Corral hype train either uh I think he's wildly overrated whoever takes him with there I've seen drafts that this is uh, we're getting off track here this is I've seen drafts where he's QB one that's a mistake he he will not last in the league no I completely agree and this quarterback class one is very very weak it, it does not have the, the top-heavy depth that we've seen in, in years past. But if, if I'm picking a quarterback, I'm picking Kenny Pickett, I think. He reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow. He doesn't have the arm strength that Burrow has, but in terms of his accuracy and his feel for the game, I think it re- reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow. Now, I wouldn't touch him with a top-10 pick, but if you can snag him in the teens range, um, I think Kenny Pickett is the first guy to go off the board. But we know these guys are gonna are gonna reach for quarterbacks. Malik Willis is probably gonna get drafted in the top ten based on potential alone and whatnot. But yeah, there there's my rambling for the day. The good thing about these top, it's really a two man race at the top for the Heisman. The good thing is each guy has a chance to prove it. They got a rivalry game, a conference championship game after that potentially i mean if if both guys are there so they they really have the chance to prove it that's going to bring us to an end of another episode of pigskins and nylon brought to you by tabease.com we'll be back on well actually i don't know what day this week but we'll be back this week casey and i are both free this week we have no school so that's good we'll be back sometime this week we will break down Probably mostly the Ohio State-Michigan game. I'm sure we'll touch on some of the other teams here, but obviously that game is going to decide who is going to the conference title. Yeah, if you don't like our Michigan-Ohio State talk on this show, um, do not tune in to the episode (laughs) that we're going to bring out later in the week because it's, it's easily the biggest game of the year in the Big Ten Conference and has so many implications beyond just the conference title. So... If you, I, I will warn you, we will spend a healthy amount of time, or an unhealthy amount of time, previewing the Michigan and Ohio State game this coming week. Yeah, uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. I know Wally sure is. And and we'll be back early this week, maybe Monday, Tuesday, sometime in that range. So, hope to see everybody back. Casey, do you have a final thought do you want to give us, or was your Heisman, Heisman rant the, the final thought? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll say the Heisman rant was my final thought. Just looking forward to this awesome week of sports, man. Like like we mentioned before, big, big-time matchups in basketball today, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, leading up to a fantastic week You know, with the family. Hopefully, I can get up to Northwest Ohio Wednesday or Thursday and then you know go right into the awesome 
weekend of college football, Big Ten football. So, by the way, are are you going to the game? Yes, I will be in attendance at the Michigan Ohio State game, wearing my plain black T-shirt because I you're not you're not wearing your Ohio State grad uh, apparel. I think that I will just wear a black T-shirt to support nobody. You just hope both teams have fun. I I hope both teams have fun, and I hope that the weather isn't freezing-ass cold. 34-degree high. That's awesome. That is perfect. I I can take that. I just did not really want to sit there if it was going to be in the teens or below. So that's great to hear. But looking forward to the great week, man. Yeah, my my final thought is I am so – I'm happy, you know, because this is really like the best week in my opinion of the year. I know Wally hates Thanksgiving because he's a Neanderthal, but I, I, I love this week. Rivalry week, rivalry week. That's, that's a tongue twister. Rivalry week is here. Uh, this game this week's going to be epic. So uh, I apologize for the extended, this is a kind of a long episode. We're pushing 90 minutes here, but yeah, I apologize um, too. We both, we both went on a couple rants there, but dude, it was fun. I, that was, that was a really fun episode. It was. It was a really good time. I hope to see you all next time. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Oh, God. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Oh, Wally, you're going to have a blast with that one. All right, let's restart. A little crack in the place. Early.